0: Say this after me, say, this is my Bible, I am who it says I am, I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's Word, it's His truth transforming every part of my life, and I'll never be the same, in Jesus' name, amen. You believe that this morning? And man, it's the truth. God's Word, He's real, and He does not tell a lie. Got to tell you something funny that happened to us. Uh, Friday afternoon, we got the kids out of school early. We went down to Texarkana and had early Christmas with my in-laws. And we had just passed through Cave City, and we're going down the road. You know, it was cold outside and cloudy, and everybody's like, man, I wonder if it's going to start snowing. And we hadn't gone maybe a couple hundred yards after we said that when all of a sudden these huge, big, beautiful snowflakes start coming down. I mean, they're big, I'm, I'm talking big snowflakes, and we're all excited. The kids are like, Dad, it's snowing. We're looking around we're like, whoo, that's awesome. And about that time, I looked up, and there was a chicken truck about 100 yards in front of us. <laughs> I am not even kidding. We started laughing so hard. I don't know if it's come for your place or not. But, I mean, it looked just like you're going through a big snow. We're like, wow, that's awesome, you know. And we look, oh, man, that's a chicken truck. But... <laughs> so funny. Yep, we can do those kind of things, can't we? Amen. If you've got your Bibles, look at uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 6 through 7. I'll read it for you. While they were there, this is Mary and Joseph, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Today, we're going to talk about, in my opinion, Probably the greatest gift that God gives us that came at Christmas, and that is the gift of peace. Anybody want some more peace in their life? Anybody need a little bit of peace? I looked up the definition of peace, and peace, this is what it says in the dictionary. It says, peace is freedom of the mind from annoyance, from distraction, from anxiety, from obsession. It is tranquility or serenity. It's also a state or condition of being at absolute tranquility. In other words, in the, the illustration, they said the peace of a mountain resort. Imagine going to a mountain resort and there's just everything's quiet, everything's peaceful. And the Bible talks a lot about peace. And, and this time of year, you see all the signs that say peace on earth, right? Peace on earth. Everywhere you go, Christmas cards. How many have a Christmas cards say peace on earth in them? Well, if you do a word search, if you go to Bible Gateway and you type in the phrase peace on earth, it'll pull up and here's the verse that pulls up if you look if you just type in that section says peace on earth together luke 12 verse 51 this is jesus talking do you think that i came to bring peace on earth good good thought no i tell you but division how many of of that want want to put that on your christmas card And Jesus was talking at this time. This is where when you see peace on earth together, that's what it says. Jesus said, I didn't just come to bring peace on earth. He said also division because he knew that when he came, it was going to cause conflicts with a lot of the religious people around him. A lot of people weren't going to have peace. They were going to be divided because of the message that he brought because it was so different. But if you look at John 16, verse 33, and I love this. This is Jesus talking again. He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have what? Peace. In this world you will have what? Trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Trish, that's just, Trish and I laugh because we prepare. When she prepares what she's going to do, we intentionally don't look at each other's notes. And we have always been amazed how many times what she talks about and what I talk about, God just kind of brings it all together because it's, it's he's trying to communicate a message to us and I think that's an amazing thing that Jesus says here I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace now notice what he says here in me you may have peace in this world you're gonna have trouble but take heart be encouraged I have overcome the world and, and there's this misnomer out there that, that we're singing peace on earth and all these things and we're, we're believing for world peace let me tell you something in the last 3,000 years, if you go back and look historically at the last 3,000 years, there's a total of 258 years in the last 3,000 where there was not any major wars going on. 258 years in the last 3,000. The earth needs a lot of peace, doesn't it? And Jesus is saying to us, in this world, though, you're going to have trouble. I mean, has anybody ever had any trouble? This morning? i mean he's talking he's just being real clear with this he said look guys i'm not going to sugarcoat this in the world you're going to have challenges sometimes it's going to be hard in the world but in me said in me i'm going to give you peace and i love that and take heart so i want to talk with you a few minutes today about things that can rob your peace There are things that go on in life that absolutely, when they happen, they will steal your peace from you. And we're going to talk about that. And then I'm going to talk to you and give you a recipe for how to find and maintain peace. Amen? So uh, look at your notes if you've got those this morning. If you've got your Bible, turn it to Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 20. And your first blank there, the first thief that steals your peace is unavoidable. Write down circumstances unavoidable circumstances anybody ever had a flat you ever had a flat and you know they never happen at good times you know you got to be going somewhere really important and then all of a sudden you have a flat that is an unavoidable circumstance anybody ever lost their peace over a flat those aren't happy things are they you know here you are you're heading to the meeting you're going to school whatever the situation is you've got it timed out exactly right you know exactly how long it's going to take you to get there boom flat instant peace sucker outer (laughs) i mean it's gone right then you know the other and i was thinking about that the other thing that can happen is when you go to the doctor for a normal checkup and the doctor comes in sits down said look there's, there's something we need to talk about and then he talks to you about a challenge that you're physically having in your body it's an unavoidable circumstance and all of a sudden your peace is gone the other thing i was thinking about was in situations where maybe a husband or wife walks in the room and says, you know what, I don't really love you anymore. And they're out the door. And all of a sudden, your peace is gone. Unavoidable circumstances happen. You can prepare. There are things you can do in life to be ready, but there are challenges that happen sometimes. Jesus said, in the world, you will have trouble. Not you might have trouble. You could possibly have trouble. He said, you will have trouble. And so, when those things happen, they will just suck the peace right out of you. Jeremiah 4 verse 20 says this, disaster follows disaster. The whole land lies in ruins in an instant. My tents are destroyed. My shelter in a moment. He's talking about how sometimes in a moment these circumstances come upon us and steal our peace. The second thing that can happen that steals your peace, you guys are going to love this one, unbearable. Anybody want to guess? People. Very good. Unbearable people. Anybody ever been around somebody that's unbearable? Look at your neighbor and say, he's not talking about you. <laughs> if you are talking about them, that's not nice, okay? Some of you are going, it's her, it's her. No, no, no. But there are people that come along in your life that are unbearable. I mean, you get around them and it's like, oh, man, you instantly lose your peace. Anybody ever been anybody around that? Yeah, okay. What does the Bible say about it? Psalms 109 verse 3. With words of hatred... They surround me. They attack me without cause. You know, sometimes we're around people and they're just mean. They're just in a bad mood. They're just whatever. And you get around them and they just seem to suck the life out of you. You know, occasionally I'll counsel with somebody or I'll have somebody come in the church and I see them coming. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what's going going to be wrong this time? (laughs) Have You ever been around those people? The only time you see them was when they want to grab about something. Everybody's going, when's the last time I talked pastor? No. <laughs> I, I'm, not try, I'm not saying that to be mean, but you know, you're in Walmart and you're going down through Walmart and you see them turn the corner and you're like, oh, I got to go. I got this thing. I, you know, those people, <laughs> they're unbearable. They steal your peace whenever you're around them. How do you deal with people like that? Avoid them? That's one option. I tell you what. The best thing you can do to deal with people that are unbearable is pray for them. I've said this before, and it's absolutely true. It is very difficult to be upset with somebody that you're praying for. I've seen God restore people's marriages when you encourage the couples to begin to pray for each other. Because what happens when you pray for somebody, what you're doing is you're inviting God to get involved in that situation. And when you invite God to get involved in relationships, because God is all about relationships... That's why Jesus came to restore your relationship with God. When you begin to invite God to get in those difficult relationships, he will change their heart. But most of the time, you know whose heart he changes? Your heart. That's what he does most of the time. So right now, think about some of those people in your life. When I said unbearable people, there was probably two or three names that popped up, right? I want you to think about those people. And here's what I want you to do. Start praying for them. Now, I'm also going to say this, and this isn't in my notes. (laughs) If I say that and you go, I'm not going to pray for them, whose problem is that? You don't know what they've done to me. Jesus said, You gotta forgive. He said, You've got to forgive. He said, He even went so far as to say, I can't forgive you if you won't forgive other people. Wow. But you know what? When you go before the Lord and you say, Father, I'm having a difficult time with this person, they've hurt me, maybe I've hurt them, but Lord, I need to make this right. And when you begin to do that, he will change your heart. You say, Pastor, you don't understand what my father did to me. Pastor, you don't understand what my spouse did. Pastor, you don't understand who the person that left me, what they did to me. You're right. But what I do know is that if you walk around with that bitterness and that hurt, it will destroy your life. And it will absolutely steal all the joy out of your life. You've got to forgive. The second thing I would encourage you to do when you're dealing with unbearable people is take the first step. Pastor, they hurt me, okay? You be the peacemaker. You go to that person and you say to that person, you know what, I've got these challenges. They may go, well, I don't have a problem with you or I'm going to keep doing that way. But as you deal with that person and as you let them know, you know, I'm praying for you, I'm sorry this has happened. As you do that and you release them, guess what, you're setting them free. And what have I said before, who else are you setting free? Yourself. Yourself. Because when people have that hold on you, unbearable people have a hold on you, you're really in chains. You're chained up to somebody with a bad attitude. And I'll tell you the thing I've learned in my own life. There have been people in my life who I've had real problems with. Some of them I should have just shot. <laughs> in Texas, you can do that. No, I'm <laughs> But there were some people that had really hurt me. They'd done some really nasty things to me. And I said, Father, and I start telling God about these people, all the problems. And you know what the Lord said to me? He said, I'll work on them. Let's talk about you. That was hard to hear. But I'm telling you the truth, that's what happened. And so as I began to work on my own life and get my own stuff together, I became less interested. I think Jesus said something about logging somebody else's eye or splintering somebody else's y'all remember that? Instead of looking at other people's problems and challenges, maybe we begin to look at ourselves and fix ourselves. And what happens is these other people's lives begin to be changed. And let me tell you what happens a lot of times. As God begins to work on your heart and change your heart, the people that you have problems with will come to you and go, I see a difference in you. What is it? And then you have an opportunity to share with them. Has anybody experienced that before? Amen. That's how God does things. So the second challenge, the second things that still our peace are unbearable people. The first thing is unavoidable circumstances. The next thing is unexplainable problems. Unexplainable problems, and let me explain to you what I mean here. When I talk about unexplainable problems, I mean th- you've done everything right. You know, you're you're you feel like you're tithing, you feel like you're you're coming to church when you should. You know, you, you you hadn't kicked your dog in a week. I mean, you're you're doing everything you know to do, and then these challenges come up in your life. These things that happen in your life. I want you to understand something, and it says it here in Matthew twenty-seven forty-six. You're not alone when those things happen and you question. You go, God, why is this happening to me? I mean, has anybody ever asked God when you've had a challenge, why why is this happening to me? Let me tell you who else did. Matthew 27, verse 46. This is Jesus talking. And Jesus says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When he was hanging on the cross. That was Jesus. There are going to be a few times in your life... Probably not a lot. But there are going to be a few times in your life where you are wondering where God is. You're going to be in the middle of a challenge. You're going to be in the middle of a desert somewhere. And you're going to look around and you have no idea where God is. But let me tell you something. The thing I have learned in my own life, when I'm going through a time like that, when these unexplainable problems come along, that I can't figure out why I'm in this spot, God is preparing something in me. And God is using that desert time that you may be going through, that situation that you don't understand and seems too hard for you to bear. God is using that opportunity to mold you and change something in you. Because here's the thing that I've learned. When things happen that I don't understand, I just know God well enough to know that he's bigger than what I can see. He sees things that I don't see. He understands things that I don't understand. God is bigger than any situation. He is bigger than any situation. So if that's you today, if you're facing something that you don't know why you're there, you didn't deserve to be there, you're, you're in the middle of something, that is the time that you need to really draw close to God and understand that you're there for a purpose and God is working something out in you. Jesus saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The end result of that was his restoration to the Father and our salvation. God was working on something. God is always working on something in our life. And the fourth challenge that we have, the the fourth peace stealer, is uncontrollable. Anybody want to guess here? Worry. Uncontrollable worry. How many people worry in here? Let me see your hands. Come on, be honest. I'm one of you. Lift your hand up. All right, uncontrollable worry. And I want to tell you what, this one, women do it, but guys really do it too. Guys do it a lot. Uncontrollable worry. How are we going to pay the bills next month? How are we going to do this at the business? How are we going to do that? Uncontrollable worry. I'm going to tell you something. Listen to this. Luke 2, verse 10 through 14. I'm sorry, Jeremiah 6, verse 24. The prophet Jeremiah is speaking. He said, we have heard reports about them. This was an enemy that was coming to attack them. And our hands hang limp. Anguish has gripped us pain like that of a woman in labor most if not all of us deal with worry i mean we, we wake up how many of you are woken up in the middle of the night worried about something something was so on you this this worry was so on you and there was nothing you could do about it and it was so on you that it literally kept you from sleeping it woke you up uncontrollably and and what happens in those situations is we look around and and we can't control the economy we can't control what this person does or that person does and so we worry about those things all the time and it steals our peace it steals our peace and I think of all of them that's probably the worst one because see I know that God is good and when situations happen in my life that are hard I've just seen God do too much I know he's good and I know the end result of whatever God does in my life, no matter what the challenge is, it's going to be a good thing for me. But it is very difficult, very, very difficult not to be worried about things. What's going to happen? And I want to tell you, that's one of the things that, that as we go through here, I'm going to show you now. How do you get out of that? All right, you look at these three things, these four things that I've talked about here, and you can probably check one or two of them and say, yeah, that's me, yeah, that's me. So the question is now, how do we get out of it? What do we do to have peace? Because Jesus promised us peace. If you go through, and I challenge you in this, those of you that have the Bibles where you've got a concordance or you've got an online Bible, go in and type the word peace and see how many times it shows up. You'll be amazed at how many times God promises us peace. Peace. But the question is, how do we obtain it? How do we receive this gift? Luke 2, verse 10 through 14 says this, and this is the angels talking. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for who? All the people. Who's in all the people in here? You and all the people, okay. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Another translation, a more accurate translation says, when it talks about that peace, on earth peace, it says, on earth peace to those who are walking in God's provision, those that are walking with God. That's where peace comes from. John 14, verse 27 says this out of the Living Bible. I am leaving you, this is Jesus, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you isn't fragile like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. I read another version, this is out of the NIV, and it says this. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And and I thought it was interesting where Jesus said right here, that I don't give you the same kind of peace that the world gives you. Now, what does that mean? Tell me about the world peace. Anybody? Can the world manufacture peace? Doesn't work, does it? You know, they can give you a pain pill to take away your pain, but is that really solving your problem? No. That doesn't solve your problem. All that the world's peace can give you is just temporary. We can can go out. I mean, if you look at world history, you look at all the wars that have ever happened, if you look at relationships, if you look at people that are hurt, if you look at any of those things, any man-made peace is temporary. Only God. Only God gives you real peace. And I love the fact that Jesus knew all that when he was saying this. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. His peace is a lasting peace. When Jesus gives you something, it will always take care of you and it will always work. He says, I don't give to you as the world gives. And then he says this, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Isn't that an amazing statement? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Well, well, Jesus, I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with this child. I'm dealing with this at work. I'm dealing with whatever the challenge is. And he said, you know what? The peace I give you is different than the peace that the world gives you. So don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. It's going to be all right. I think that's an amazing promise that God gives us. So there's four things here that we're going to cover about how to get and keep God's peace. How to get it and how to keep it. Here's number one. The first thing you have to do is receive God's pardon. You have to receive God's pardon. And I want you to write out beside pardon, if you're one of the note takers today, receive God's gift. Receive God's gift. And what we're talking about there is Jesus. Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the way we get peace with God, the way we get the ultimate peace is to receive God's pardon, to receive God's gift, to receive salvation. That is the first thing that we have to do. So if you're living in the world right now and you don't have peace, the first question on your checklist needs to be, have I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Maybe the reason I'm having all the challenges that I'm having is I've never really made him my Savior, I've never really made him my lord. And I want you to understand something. Receiving salvation is the easiest gift in the world that you'll ever receive. But it will cost you everything. It's the easiest thing to receive, but it will cost you everything. Because we talk about so much Jesus being our savior and Jesus being our what? Our lord. And being our Savior is the easiest part. He died for us and we receive salvation. We receive the free gift of salvation. When we confess, when we believe, when we accept him, we are saved. But for him to be our Lord means we have to surrender to his way of doing things. And that is difficult because in this world we're still in our flesh. And so the peace that we want to have that maintains means not only do we have to receive him as the Savior, we have to make him our Lord And do things his way. Number two is we have to run to God's presence. Run to God's presence. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says this. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Another translation says you will keep him in perfect peace whose heart is stayed on thee. In other words, when, when you're running into a situation, when you run into a challenge, I was talking to the board about this Monday night, and, and Nehemiah is really becoming one of my heroes, because here's what Nehemiah did. Whenever he had a challenge, the first thing he did is he prayed about it. And why do I say that? Because many of us, when we have a challenge, the first thing we do is run to Pookie and them and ask their advice. I've got a challenge, I'm going to call mom. I've got a challenge, I'm going to talk to so-and-so. I've got a challenge, I'm going to ask my friends. Is that a good source to go to? No. Why? Because they called you yesterday about their own problem. (laughs) The reason Nehemiah went to God first whenever he saw a challenge is because he knew God had all the answers. And that sounds such such a simplistic thing, doesn't it? Run to God. Run to God first. But most of the time, we don't do that. We try to handle the problems on our own. And when do we go to God? When we can't fix it. Then we go to him. And we've wasted time. We've wasted energy. Maybe we've wasted money. We've done all these different things. And the last person we usually go to is God. And here's the deal. This is the thing that's so amazing about God. He's not mad at you about that. He just didn't want you to have to go through all that other stuff before you got to him. So maybe the first thing we need to do is run to God's presence. I want to tell you something, folks, and this is something I've got to do better in my own life. It is very, very difficult for leaders. It's even harder for men. Is we want to fix everything. Anybody like that? I want to fix everything. If I see a problem, I want to fix it. And I don't want to fix it now. I want to fix it yesterday. I want to get it fixed. But here's the thing that I'm learning is is if I'll go to God and talk to him, he may have a plan for this challenge. And my trying to get it fixed is only delaying it. Or maybe if I go to God, he'll speak to my heart and he'll tell me how to solve the problem. How about that? Saves us a lot of time and a lot of effort, doesn't it? Number three, respect God's principles. Respect God's principles. You can write out in parentheses right, uh, next to that, spiritual laws. Respect God's spiritual laws. L- let me just tell you something. If, if we were to sit down, if you and I were to sit down and, and we were going to talk about some of the challenges that you're facing in your life, and I began to go through, and I, and I just, lit, just a few things. Hey, you know, are you attending church? You know, are you, are you tithing regularly? Are you, are you reading your word? You know, God sets up these spiritual laws. And these spiritual laws work all the time. And when we don't follow God's laws, that's like climbing up on the roof and jumping off and asking why we fell. Because God set up a law of gravity, didn't he? And, and right now, unless something supernaturally happens, if you got up on that roof and jumped off, would you be surprised that you hit the ground? Anybody? Anybody? No, because here's the deal. There's a spiritual law in place in life, but there's a natural laws that are in place. And we all understand the law of gravity. So we all realize that if we climb on the roof and jump off, wow, there's this law of gravity in place. And I'm probably going to fall and splat. But in life, many times, we neglect God's spiritual laws and wonder why we're in trouble. And, And he's got these laws. And again, God's not giving us all these laws to tie us down. What God is doing is giving us laws to keep us out of trouble. And help us have a good life. And he said, look, in Deuteronomy 28, he listed all these things. Look, if you'll do these things, you'll have life. But if you don't do them and you go the opposite direction, you'll have death. And what happens is many times in life, we wonder why we end up in a certain spot. And it's because we've been disobeying God's laws. And some of you may say, well, that sounds a little harsh, Pastor. Well, the law of gravity is a little harsh too. Just go jump off the roof. I mean we none of us up here would go I can't believe I jumped off the roof and I broke my leg <laughs> what would we all say yeah. duh <laughs> thank you I couldn't have said that better and so and this is gonna sound harsh but you need to know, you know my heart so when we don't tithe and our finances are a mess and we don't do some of these things and then we go I don't understand why I don't have any money and the answer is duh that sounds harsh it's the truth and we wonder why in life we have some of these challenges and a lot of the challenges and I have found this in my own life most of the challenges that I've had to face in my own life have been brought about not by Satan who do you think brought them around bad decisions Dave Ramsey calls it uh, stupid tax <laughs> and, uh, and you know anybody know the famous last words of a redneck hey y'all watch this, hey, y'all watch this. <laughs> And I know in my own life, there's been a lot of times in my own life, I said, hey, y'all, watch this. And I sure got what I deserved. But thanks be to God, I didn't get everything I deserved. And a lot of times he saves us out of that. But if we ignore God's principles, we're going to reap what we sow, just like Trisha talked about earlier. There are spiritual laws in place of seed time and harvest. And if we sow bad seeds, a lot of times we reap a bad harvest. But I want to tell you, there's also a merciful God out there does not give us what we deserve and I want to tell you some of you have sowed some bad seeds right now and you're worried about that harvest coming up and I want you to understand something because he loves you a lot of times if you'll go to God and you'll pray and you'll really begin to do things his way and I'm not trying to be legalistic I'm talking about a relationship with God if you'll begin to do things his way he will uproot and he'll give you a crop failure amen. anybody need a crop failure in some things in their life right now amen and I've seen God do that in my own life so number one is we have to receive God's pardon. We have to receive salvation. Number two is we need to run to God's presence. You need to get with God and find out what he wants you to do in certain situations. You need to get with God and get on the same page with him. Number three is we have to respect God's principles. Respect his principles. How does God want us to do something? What are his laws? And that means you need to get in the word so you understand what they are. And here's number four. Trish, you said this one too. Rely on God's provision. Bonnie, you said this in the video. Rely on God's provision. What does that mean? Philippians 4, verse 6 through 7. And the Living Bible says this. Don't worry about what? Anything. What does anything mean? Anything. Instead, what? Pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. If you do this, you will really experience God's what? His peace. Wow. So there's the answer to that worry, isn't it? If you're dealing with a challenge at work, pray about it. If you're dealing with a child that's off running around doing who knows what, pray about it. If you're going through situations with a friend or somebody that you have a conflict with, pray about it. And then make peace with them. If whatever the challenge is that you're facing, you need to rely on God's provision first. And don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs, and I love this, and don't forget to thank him for his answers. See, and I've done this, and I feel so bad when I do this. Have you ever prayed about something and God answered your prayer and you never even mentioned it to him again? Lord, help me in this situation. And he helps you, and then you just kind of go on like nothing ever happened. I've done that. Or you prayed about a business deal, and the deal goes through, and thank God the deal went through, and then you just kind of go on. Or you pray about a family member that strayed, and they come back home, and you just kind of leave it. How would that make you feel? Not too good, huh? We need to thank God when he does things in our life. When he does miracles in our life, we need to thank him and praise him. We need to remember why we have what we have. We live in a pretty good country, don't we? Amen. God has given us a good life. But I want you to understand, as I, as I was thinking, and we're gonna close now, I was thinking about the gift of Christmas, and I was thinking about the gift of peace. And I was thinking about, God. what does God really want? What does God really expect from me? I mean, what does God really want for me? Because I really don't have anything I can give him. So what is it that God wants from me? And I found this video. I want to show this to you, and then I'll come back and close.
1: Christmas. It's so complex, yet so simple, and so incredibly beautiful. I think about the wise men, how they came with their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, gifts fit for a king. And I find myself asking, what gift could I possibly offer as I celebrate his birth? I mean 2,000 years before every mistake I have ever made. Every hurt I have ever felt. And every wrong I have ever committed. A Savior was born. A Savior that would heal, perform miracles, and ultimately give His life as a ransom. For me to save my messy life. He gave the gift of himself. So it seems the greatest gift I could give to him would be to just follow his lead, to give him the gift of myself. All of me, my wounds, my sickness, my grief. everything when I do that when I give him the gift of myself it doesn't stop there he just keeps giving back I realize he loves and cares more than I can imagine I am redeemed by the Savior all the sin. All the pain, all the mistakes. They're just remnants that died before they ever existed. Thank God for Christmas.
0: Amen. Isn't that amazing? You know what Jesus wants for Christmas? He wants you. He wants you. One of the themes of my life now, and I talked to the youth group about it on Wednesday night, is that Jesus was born in a a manger. We sing away in a manger. No crib for a bed. Was that peaceful in that stall? Anybody ever been to a peaceful barn with cattle in it? (laughs) No. Not really, huh? And what what goes in a manger? Hay, feed. So, Jesus, baby Jesus, was born, and then they laid him in a manger where just a couple minutes ago a cow or a horse or something had their nose in it. Have you ever thought about that? The God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, who created everything, sent his son to a stinky old stable in the middle of nowhere and had him born there and then laid in a manger. I'll tell you why. I believe this with all of my heart. He should have been born in a palace with the finest surgeons and surrounded by kings and princes and queens. That's what he deserved, obviously. But he wasn't. Why did God do that? I'll tell you why God did it. I believe this. Because he showed us that he's not scared to get his hands dirty. Jesus was born in a manger in a stall with... Animals and cow mess and everything else on purpose because he was showing me and you that no matter how messy your life is, no no matter how messed up you are, no matter what things you've done, no matter what mistakes you have made or will make, he is bigger than all that. And he's not scared to get involved in the mess that your life is and get his hands dirty. He loves you. That's why we have Christmas. He came to get messy for you. And the greatest gift that you can give him is not money. (laughs) It's not your time. It's not anything other than yourself. That's the greatest Christmas gift you can give God. He created you. He loves you. He sent Jesus to die for you. And he wants you to have peace. So if you're here today and you're not experiencing that kind of peace, if you're here today and you're hurting, if you're here today and whatever the challenge is that you're facing, God is bigger than the challenge that you're facing. He loves you right where you are, no matter what you've done. He loves you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these wonderful, amazing people. Lord, I love them so much. Trisha, I love them so much. And I, but I know, Father, that our love com- fails in comparison to how much you love them. That 2,000 years ago, you sent your son to be born in a manger. To take all of our sin, all of our pain. And at that time, you knew what we were going to do. You knew all the mistakes we were going to make. And you knew at the end of that, we were not going to have Peace. And we were going to be empty and we were going to be hurting. But you loved us so much that you sent Jesus. So, Father, I pray today for every person in this room, for those that are here today that are hurting in their body, physically hurting in their body, peace to you. To those that are here today that are hurting in their finances because of bad decisions or bad circumstances, peace to you. For those that are here today and they have wayward children or their families broken and hurting, speak peace to you. And for you that are here today that have walked away from the Lord. You had a relationship with him at one time, but you walked away. And now you're empty and now you don't have peace. Peace to you. And for you that have never received the gift of God, that have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is your day. So if you're here today, nobody looking around, this isn't to embarrass anybody, this is serious. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I've got challenges in my body, I've got challenges in my finances, I've got challenges with my spouse. Whatever your issue is, whatever your challenge is, I just want you to come down to the altar. The altars are open. And we're going to agree with you in prayer. The altars are open for you today. So just get out, step out, and come down. We're going to have people pray with you. If you're here today and you've walked away from the Lord and you need that peace again, He's not scared to get into the mess that your life is right now. He came to get messy in your life. So just get out and come down, and we're going to pray for you. And if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord, you've never received the gift of salvation, you've never said, God, thank you for Jesus. I want to receive him today as my Savior. If that's you, just get out and come down to the altars. Now's your time. Amen. Say, Pastor, that's me. I've got challenges, Pastor, and I need the Lord to meet me. Amen. Amen. i just going to wait just a second. If you're sitting there today maybe you're not dealing with any of those challenges your, your work is good and your kids are good, your grandkids are good, things are going well for you thank God for that right now thank God for that Lord thank you for my awesome family, Lord thank you for my great church Lord thank you for a wonderful community Father thank you for a great country that we can live in Father thank you for giving us the ability to buy gifts. Father, thank you for giving us good friends. Father, thank you for loving me when I didn't deserve to be loved. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody stand, please. I want us all to do something together. I just want everybody put your hand on your heart. Just say this after me. Jesus, thank you coming. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for getting involved in the mess that was my life. Use me in Jesus' name. Amen. You're an amazing church. I really want to encourage you this week. Invite somebody Wednesday night. I think it's going to be a great opportunity to share the gospel with some folks and bring them. Amen. God bless you this week. Have a great week. And we'll see you hopefully tonight. If you want to bring food, the sign-up is in the lobby, guys. If you want to bring food, the sign-up's in the lobby.